Welcome everyone to our Sunday morning service on what is the 12th of July. I, I say morning service, but maybe it's mid-afternoon by the time that you're watching it because you're out late at the bonfires, you know, because the kids wanted to see them. Wink. <laughs> um, but look, we have another full service this morning for you. And I'm going to start with a bit of a brain teaser for with you. Uh, now, hopefully this will be on the screen for you now. Uh, so there you go. It's the nine dot challenge. Can you connect all the dots by simply drawing four straight lines? And I should say you, you should be able to do it without lifting your pen from the page. So have a think about that. Uh, you'll have to think outside the box for this one, but I think you'll be able to do it. Four lines without lifting your pen from the page, connect all nine dots. Okay, why are you thinking about that on the some announcements? Now, with it being the bank holiday, Fit Defence uh, are gonna be taking a week off, but only the one week off. They'll be back on the 20th or streaming live on the church Facebook page. So please remember that if you wanna be involved, let Mark or Alan know. Restrictions from the government are easing, and so it is possible for people to go up and train with them. Uh, but if you do, again, have questions about that and what that involves or what limitations there are, what precautions or whatever, reach out to Mark or Alan, and again, they'll be more than happy to help you out. This week, because of the holidays, uh, we normally would be taking a break from our prayer meeting as well, but we're going to go ahead as usual. So remember on Thursday at 8, we'll be on Zoom for a time of prayer. Uh, I've normally got the meeting open for people to join from about 10 to or so. So please join. It is safe and easy to do so. Although when I say that, I closed the meeting on Thursday evening with about seven minutes of beautiful eloquence. Only be told that I was still on mute and those Egypts on with me just let me mine. So it is easy, honest, even though I'm a wee bit scundered. <laughs> Really, the final thing that I want to do in, in this part is to remind you again of the plans of the phased return for the building. Uh, as a church, we're feeling our way in. And so from August, we'll have our prayer meetings in the building. Uh, they're going to be on Wednesdays in August, not Thursdays. The reason for the change of evenings is to allow for 72 hours after the morning services and the same before the following Sunday. Again, Government guidelines are saying 72 hours, and so switching the days uh, just helps us come into line with the government's advice on that. So we felt that there was no point starting prayer meetings back for a few weeks on Thursday and then having to swap them after four weeks or so uh, when the Sunday evening Sunday services start again in September. So we're just going to be running from Wednesdays in August. Okay, we'll pray now, and then uh, I'm going to... Uh, go back over to the Melvins as they lead us in worship again this week. But I, I, as just before we pray, I can't help think about today's date, a day like no other in the Northern Irish calendar, a day we used to celebrate our Britishness by remembering how a Dutch king beat the British king in a fight in Ireland. Say what you want, those are all true facts. They're maybe not where the emphasis is, but those are all true facts. And a day that is marked with bands and parades and banners, it's a matter of identity. Now, the Bible says plenty about that. In fact, two words, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Moses had built an altar by that name after a great victory. 
And here's the point. The victory is the Lord's. The glory is the Lord's. And we rally under his banner. We set our eyes on him and make our movements into relation in relation to his banner. The point is, the banner is visible for everyone to see. The Lord is my banner means I'm unashamed and unafraid to say, here is where I stand. Here is who I stand with. Here is whom I follow. Here's where my victory comes from. It's a mark of our identity, of real victory, a victory far more important than some battle 330 years ago. So as we do that, let's let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, as we come into your presence, we repeat the words of Moses. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. We thank you for the victory that we have in Christ, the victory over sin, victory over death and the assurance of victory in all the small battles along the way. Lord, may you continue to be our rallying point, that focal point in the skirmishes that we fight day by day. For we know the battle is the Lord's. We know the victory is the Lord's. We know the glory is the Lord's. And so, Lord, come and move in our service as we have the children's talk and as we listen to the singing and as we join in and then as we gather around your word, Lord, we pray that we would just know your presence as we rally under the banner of who you are and what you've done for us. And so, Lord, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Over now to the Melvins.
the nine dot challenge, people, huh? How did we do? Are you ready for the answer? Here we go, the solution for the nine dot challenge. Did you get it? Hmm? Have a look at it. See, I, I told you, there was a wee clue. You have to think outside the box with that one. I have to go sort of extend the lines out there a wee bit. Now that does set us up for what I want to talk to the boys and girls about this morning. God has a way of doing things that are so different to the way uh, any of us would do things. God tells us that he works differently, that we should be, and that we shouldn't be surprised by that. In Isaiah 55, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So really what God is saying to Isaiah there is that God has a way of thinking outside the box. He thought about the long necks for giraffes, but just give elephants long noses, long trunks. He decided to give the hammerhead shark this crazy shaped head and yet give the bull shark 50 rows of teeth. He has given flowers to many different colours and shapes and smells. He even made a platypus, which is just crazy. Or the mantis shrimp, and you need to Google the mantis shrimp because it's mental. God does things differently to us. He has a way of thinking outside the box. And we see it in the Bible lots and lots of times. I wouldn't have sent 10 plagues into Egypt, but God did. I wouldn't have killed the firstborn sons, but God did. I wouldn't have sent poisonous snakes into the camp of Israel, but God did. I wouldn't have drowned everyone who didn't get onto Noah's Ark, but God did. And we see so many things that don't quite always make sense to us if we just look at them quickly. We don't always see why God is doing these things at first glance. But God thinks outside the box. Because I wouldn't have allowed my child to be killed instead of the people who have done things wrong, who are happy to sin. There's no way I would give up my innocent child for bad men and women. But God did. So it's a good job that God doesn't think like me. That his ways are so much different to mine. His thoughts are different to mine. It's a good thing that God thinks outside the box. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Only a God who thinks outside the box would think that it is possible to be both just and the justifier. Which means even though we have sinned against him, he would be the one who would send his son Jesus to die in our place. What a wonderful God we have. So however old you are watching this this morning, I believe that God wants us to understand so much more than what we do. But I also believe he wants us to start with trusting him. Sophie and Bethany don't always understand why their bedtime is the time it is. They don't always understand why they have to eat their vegetables or why ice cream isn't acceptable as a cereal. But because I'm their daddy, they'll accept that I know what is best. And as they get older, they will understand. But they start with trusting their daddy, who loves them more than they could imagine. This is the exact same thing with God. We start with trusting him. Even if we don't always understand it now, 
I believe if we keep growing and we keep reading and keep trying to learn about God, he'll show us more and more and more and more about himself. God doesn't do things the way we would normally expect it. And that's a really, really good thing. And so next time you don't understand why God would do something, start by saying, okay, but I know that I trust him to do something that is good. I trust him to do something that is best for me. And we start from there. And maybe down the line, God will show us exactly why he thinks outside the box. Okay, we're going to go back to the Melvins now, who are going to sing another piece for us. Thank you guys so much.
this was supposed to be the last part of our sermon series, but I, I was in the study on, on Tuesday, I think it was, and uh, there was one more message that I wanted to bring uh, on, on this series last week, and so I kind of put a pen through the last one that I had, which was going to be shepherding, and uh, I wanted to sort of uh, tweak that into two different ones. So next week, we're going to finish with a sermon that is, God's will is for you to smile. And so we're going to talk about that next Sunday. We're going to be looking at the role of joy in our lives, not as a tool for mission, not as a way of getting other people alongside you, getting people around you as, as a stepping stone to something else, but rather that, that simple internal thing of having joy that God has called you to in relationship with him. He wants you to enjoy that closeness with himself. So that's how we're going to finish the series next week. We've covered a lot of ground up to this point, and I trust it has been helpful to you, especially if you are younger in the faith. It's given you a sense of context about how God wants you to grow and to develop. There's been a lot of ideas and a development of some ideas that as we've gone through. But as I said at the start, after the first point where God wants you to be saved, these other things, they're not like a checklist where you finish one and then you move on to the next, you take it off and then you go on to the next. Um, many of these things happen simultaneously. Many of these things happen interdependently. Some simply just speak of goals that we're aiming for. So in this message, we're, we're turning to Matthew 28 and that's a hugely important passage in just 20 verses. So it's not a long chapter, but we have summed up for us the most important teachings in the entire Bible. Okay, other parts of the Bible we'll go into the, in more detail and we'll explore it more fully, but here we see them laid out for us. And we start off with the resurrection. The disciples, seeing this, being confronted with this, take out that truth with the final words of Jesus ringing in their ears go into the world, make disciples. And these are the great teachings of Scripture for us as a church. Christ died and rose again. We need to be telling people about this. And that's the thrust of Matthew 28. What it also tells us then is that the one thing the gospel cannot be is kind of important. It is either the greatest truth that needs to be told to as many people as possible and we plead for people to be saved, or it's a total fabrication. And it's not only irrelevant, but it's dangerous. It can't be somewhere in the middle even though that's perhaps where so many of us as Christians have it. It is either true or it is false. And both answers take you to a radical place in how we think about Christ. For it means either we embrace totally the message or we reject it entirely. There's no room for this middle ground apathy of, ah, well. Now add to the fact that we will read the command from Jesus to go and make disciples in a few minutes. This really is a simply a matter of obedience or disobedience. But let me say right at the start that this message, it's also a matter of consequence. Ezekiel famously tells of the watchman keeping guard over the city. And the, the story goes, well, look, if he sees a great enemy coming and he fails to warn the people of the city, then what happens to them is going to be on his hands. He failed to warn them. That's on him. But if he does raise the alarm, if he gives them all the warning that he can give, it's up to them what they do with that information. But he has done his job faithfully. 
So rather than taking the time to hammer everyone this morning about obedience to God's word or disobedience to God's word, because I hope we're all in the camp of wanting to be obedient, let's rephrase the challenge. Are you being faithful to God's call in your life to warn the people around you? Because it's either the utmost importance or zero importance. I've told you before of the story of the little lifeboat house on the coast of the North Sea. It had a few devoted members who kept a constant watch over the turbulent sea. They bravely went out night by night into the stormy seas and helped ships in distress. They saved so many lives that this little lifeboat house um, actually became quite famous. Some of those who had been saved as well as others on the seacoast wanted to get involved. They were willing to give time, others energy, money uh, to help support its objectives. New boats were purchased, new crews were trained. The station that was once obscure and crude, insignificant even, began to grow. So some of the members said, well, look, let's upgrade the house a little bit. They felt a little bit more of a comfortable place should be provided. Emergency cots were replaced with lovely furniture, rough handmade equipment was discarded and sophisticated high-tech systems were installed in their place. The hut, of course, had to be torn down to make room for all the additional equipment and furniture and systems and appointments. By the time it was finished, the life-saving station had become a popular gathering place and its objectives maybe had began to shift. Now it was kind of a clubhouse, an attractive building for public gatherings, saving lives, feeding the hungry, strengthening the fearful, calming